Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Lazy Geeks, a weekly podcast that brings you news stories of the past week that may have slipped your radar, why it's important, and without all that clickbait clutter. I'm your host, Stephen Vargas. So want to welcome you guys to the second episode of the Revised Lazy Geeks. Um, I hope you enjoyed the last one. And uh, also, I'm, I wanted to put this out there. I think I wanted to... I, I think I put it out there in the blog post, but I didn't put it out there on the on the show itself. But um, as I said in the blog post, Adam was pretty much ready to move on with this, and, and as was I. But as I said last week, you know, it was, um, you know, going on with the brand without the actual brand seemed a little weird. Um, that isn't to say that I'm opposed to doing this again with a co-host, maybe someone new. So if you're a listener and you think you might, be cool with doing a weekly news show. Um, hit me up, hit us up at, uh, at, uh, the geeks at the lazy And, uh, you know, set a, give us, uh, give us some information about yourself. If you've done this kind of stuff before and, um, or, and, uh, send us a written copy of how you would do like a news story, find a, a news story. And then, you know, how would, how would you bring it about on the, on the show? So we can kind of, kind of gauge. And then maybe if we, if somebody's serious enough and is willing to, you know, donate a, an evening, you know, maybe an hour or two to record over, uh, Skype or what, what have you, um, we can do it. So be sure to uh, do that again. If you're, if you seriously are interested, uh, the geeks at the lazy geeks.com and, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah. So, with that all being said, let's jump into the news. Sony Group Corp. Corp. 
<laughs> Sony Group Corp, uh, warned a group of analysts that the PlayStation 5 will remain in short supply through 2022, suggesting the company will be constrained in its ability to boost sa- sale targets for the latest game console. While reporting financial results in late April, the Japanese conglomerate said it sold 7.8 million units of the console through March 31st, and it's aiming to sell at least 14.8 million units in the current fiscal year. That would keep it on pace to match the trajectory of the popular PlayStation 4, which sold in excess of 115.9 million units to date. In a briefing after those results, Sony told analysts it is challenging to keep up With strong demand, the PlayStation 5 has been difficult to find in stock since this release in November, in part because of the shortages of components such as semiconductors, and the company hasn't given an official estimate on when it expects um, the supply to normalize. Quote, I don't think demand is calming down this year, or even if we secure a lot more devices and or produce many more units of the PlayStation 5 next year. Our supply would be able to catch up with demand, financial, Chief Financial Officer Hikori Tutuki said at the briefing, according to several people who attended and asked not to be named as it was as it wasn't public, a Sony spokesman declined to comment. Yeah, I mean the PlayStation Five. Let's keep, let's be honest. PlayStation Four did have supply issues early on, but usually within a few months after its initial release, uh, stock normalized after people needed to have it right away. Um, I didn't get my PlayStation Four for like a couple months, and then uh, then a lot of the deals came out, and then the extra storage sizes came out, and all that good stuff. Um, but 2020 was kind of a bitch year. I thought that both Sony and Microsoft should have kind of pushed it to 2021, um, given the fact that when they released it, there weren't very many games. Um, however, that didn't stop people from trying to trying to get the console, especially as it gets close to Christmas. But um, yeah, with the semiconductor issues, uh, shipping issues still with PlayStation, and I know a lot of... Um, um, Japan is still not near where it should be as far as vaccine rollout and and uh, and is open issues of opening like in the U.S. So it's yeah, I expect this to happen and to, to go into 2022, probably into late 2022 as as it starts to catch up. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually go into late 2022 uh, with supply issues. So. Twitter's expected subscription service might have a name and a price. Code Sleuth Jane Mnuchin, uh, oh, Manchun Wong, says that she found resources suggesting the service will be called Blue and start at $3 per month. Our outlay would get you a handful of previously leaked features, including undo tweets and collections that lets you organize saved posts. The service may include multiple tiers and deliver extra features, Wong added. She suggested the more expensive option might include a clutter-free reading interface from Twitter's recent scroll acquisition. Twitter declined to comment to Engadget, but if accurate, the strategy wouldn't be surprising if Twitter would set a relatively low price to court as many enthusiasts as possible, but entice the most devoted fans willing to pay more. Along with Tip Jar, Blue would 
be part of a broader effort to reduce Twitter's dependence on ads and stay and steady its income. Whether it or not it works is another matter, of course. Many are used Twitter being free, and there's certainly there's no certainty that then what? And there is no certainty that even frequent users will pay to upgrade their social network service. Um, no. No, 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 no. God, no. Uh, for Twitter, uh, I would pay for any of those extra features. Twitter is just a, is a borderline dumpster fire. Like it's, it's reaching the limits of it and it could lose control any minute. Um, but, uh, to be honest, I'm still pissed that they still haven't released an edit version. So for me to pay for, you know, to undo a tweet versus editing a tweet, cause you know, Instagram, Facebook, all of them have that option to edit a post and Twitter still doesn't. Until you do that, I ain't doing shit with you, Twitter. Uh, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's how it goes. So the CDC says Americans can go outside without a mask. Now, this is leading to a lot of, I don't know why it's leading to a lot of confusion, but it is um, because the media likes to, confusion is what they thrive on. Um, what is happening with the CDC is the CDC essentially said that if you are fully vaccinated, you can ditch the masks. Now, everybody's like, oh my God, was, well, what are we, you know, oh my God, how are we going to do this? Uh, this? It's confusing. It's no, it's not. The CDC made the recommendation to say, hey, we've come to the conclusion. We've, we've studied this stuff. If you've been fully vaccinated, you can ditch the masks and go. It, there's no there's no real issue. What the issue comes from and why the media likes to say like, oh, 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 there's a problem. Oh, we, there's confusion. There's mass confusion. No, there's not. It's based by state and municipalities. So meaning pretty much every red state that is all that never had a mask mandate to begin with is already saying, fine, go ahead. Nobody we're lifting our mask mandates. Um, go ahead, do whatever the fuck you want, um, which they were doing anyway. So there's no real big thing. But if you live in states like New York, California, um, you know, states that, that have more of progressive leadership, California isn't pulling back just yet. They're like, wait, we're going to look at the guidelines and then we're going to start easing it up. So meaning like in LA right now, just because you hear on the news, oh, well, Trader Joe's and Costco and and, you know, all these other places are lifting the mask mandates. It doesn't matter because regardless of whether the business says, the business has to apply, has to abide by the state and municipality. So if California said, okay, the, you can implement the mask mandate, but the municipalities, i.e. the cities get or counties can determine. So like L.A. County, Santa Clara County, Santa Clarita, Fresno, you know, Sacramento, all of those municipalities can determine Okay, go ahead and do it. Now, the bigger problem is, and we kind of heard this early on, that if after two weeks, you know, you can go outside and, and not have a mask on. But the biggest thing that you always see and which I've always said, which I always laughed at during TikTok is when you go out there and, you know, the CDC says, oh, you cannot, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You go outside and you look around and people start looking at you weird and you're like, oh shit, no, I'm vaccinated. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Trumper. I'm not a Republican. So you put the mask back on because you don't want to be. The worst thing to be is be considered, oh, God, no, I'm vaccinated. Oh, I better put my mask on because I don't want people to think I'm a Republican. 
Um, Adam and I have been joking around saying that we should have merch for that saying I'm vaccinated. I'm not an asshole or stuff like that. That would be, you know, that you can wear, you know, in lieu of a mask. But, um, you know, I'm for me personally, um, I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, mask. Oh, my God. Oh, make it wearing a mask. Oh, God, I can't wear a mask. Oh, you rip it off like you're gasping for air. Um, I just I just think, you know, you know, that the problem that we're going to run into is, you know, we're going to have a lot of a lot of uh, Republicans that are out there. They're going to start harassing people, you know, hey, we don't have to wear masks. Why are you wearing a mask? Giving that shit because, you know, they because now they've gone from, you know, I walk into a store. Oh, they're persecuting me because I don't have a mask on. Oh, I'm being persecuted too. Hey, you don't have to wear a mask. Why are you wearing a mask? I mean, I had one guy on Twitter hounding me because I took a picture, my profile picture of me with a mask in my own home. And that's what he was obsessed with. That's everything is why do you take a picture in your house with your mask on? It doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I just let him continue doing that, not answering him because I knew that drove him nuts. So it's not confusing. It's actually pretty straightforward. If you've been vaccinated and you're not an asshole, you can you can go outside without wearing a mask. The problem is, is that, you know, retailers and restaurants and all of that have been pushing for like, oh, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because they don't want to deal with assholes that are going to sit there and start a fight because they don't, they're wearing a mask because they have to wear a mask. So um, because a lot of red states are not you know, are saying, oh, wait, you can't have a vaccination card. No, you can't do that. That's, you know, a violation of HIPAA, whatever. It's like, it, to me, it's just like, you know what? No, it's not. It really isn't. But, you know, people are going to sit there. And you know that if they're wearing an American flag on their shirt or they have a Trump hat, they ain't vaccinated. I guarantee fucking to you. Um, but I go in for my final shot this week. So, you know, I'll be part of that group that doesn't have to wear a mask, but you know what? I'm still going to wear a mask because I don't want to be an asshole. Or at least construed as one in any case. President Biden on Friday revoked several of former President Trump's executive orders, including one that would have changed legal protections for social media sites and other online platforms. Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act limits how much online performers can be held liable for content users share on their platforms. The Trump order titled Preventing Online Censorship would have allowed federal authorities to hold companies like Twitter, Google, and Facebook responsible if they are found infringing on users' speech by deleting or otherwise modifying users' posts. Trump signed the order last May just as Twitter started applying labels to his tweets as misleading. Trump was eventually banned from Twitter and uh, for tweets for the January 6th riots. Similar bans on Facebook remain in effect with the company as the company reevaluates um, reevaluates its policy. In addition to revoking the executive order that would have changed Section 230, Biden revoked the 2020 Trump order that would have allowed the government to prosecute people who damaged statues and monuments and halted and uh, put a halt on Trump's plan to create a National Garden of American Heroes, because we knew that was going to be racist. But uh, President Biden also revoked the 2019 Trump order that would have required immigrants 
to the U.S., immigrants to the U.S., to provide that they could afford health care as part of their visa application, which would have been funny because they should do that to people that live in the country to ask you, can you afford health care? Um, this was this to me was uh, was pretty hilarious because the 230 uh, the 230 executive order was simply because Trump was pissed because they were labeling everything that he says says as false as they like to complain about being censored. And here's the thing that always bothered me, regardless of whether it was incendiary, false or even racist. That's not the issue with them. If you say, oh, well, this tweet's racist, they're censoring my freedom of speech. It's like, no, companies are private companies. They can do whatever the fuck they want. That's why they have a, uh, a TOS, a terms of service um, service agreement. You read it, you violate it, you get bumped. It's not that hard. But of course, you know, you know, no matter what you say, you know, it's like, you know, I can say anything as racist as I want and nobody can do any anything about it. That's not how uh, that's not how freedom of speech works in this country. And, you know, people that claim to love the Constitution and value the Constitution might actually take a weekend and actually actually take an hour, take an hour because it's really not that long and um, read it. And we'll be right back. Hey there, podcast listener. You know this show is part of a bigger network? The Lazy Geeks Network is home to an array of podcasts like The Lazy Geeks, which is our weekly news show, The Away Team, which discusses episodes within the Star Trek franchise, The Truly Pointless Podcast, whose point is all in the name, The Fine Line, our social commentary podcast, with two more coming later this summer. You can find these shows and more information on our website, thelazygeeks.com. All right. Welcome back. So this week's topic um, <laughs> is is just interesting to me. It's okay. So Apple and Epic have been in this court battle over uh, Apple kicking them off of, of the App Store because they didn't want to pay what Apple wanted them to pay. So now they're going to quote over it. If you've been actually following this a little bit, there is so much dirt that's coming out in regards to to Apple and Epic and and not even involving them all of a sudden. I mean, we have we have things that they did with Hulu and Microsoft in there or and even their their subscription plan or their their payback plans. So it's actually quite interesting that this dirt is coming out in open court. So <laughs> one of the things that I thought was actually kind of funny, and I, I found a couple of articles, they were all on The Verge because Verge has been following this thing pretty closely. So I grabbed a couple of articles just to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. So in one of the articles, Apple made it more difficult to upgrade your Hulu subscription plan, say to add live TV, after it realized the company was offering a way to automatically cancel subscriptions made through the App Store. According to new emails revealed as part of Apple's lawsuit with Epic Games, the company had given Hulu access to the subscription API and didn't realize Hulu was using it to help people switch to Hulu's billing system and avoid Apple's in-app purchases until 2018 when the feature was mentioned in a tweet that caught the eye of the higher-ups at Apple. And so, 
uh, obviously, you know, it's it's pretty fucking clear what Hulu is doing now. Like I said, Apple has a 30% in-app purchase fee. Now, that's the same fee that recently Apple announced that you can do um, you can do podcasts, pos- podcast subscriptions through Apple Podcasts. Problem is, is that if, you know, say we did it, instead of doing it through like Patreon or what have you, if we did it, we would have to pay Apple 30% of the mon- of, of everything that we, we generated. So that leaves us with, you know, 70% to actually take into ourselves. Plus, we have to pay 20 bucks a year just to be part of this. It's like, fuck this. You know, what are we doing? So in a lot of instances, that's why you see people like Netflix and stuff like that. Oh, sign up for Netflix. Go online to Netflix.com and sign up and you can log into any service that you want. Now, as a as a content creator, I guess you could say, what I tend to do is if I sign up for something, I think for the most part, I think I did it once where I actually, I accidentally subscribed through Apple. But for the most part, I go online to the website itself, subscribe there, and then use my login credentials on Apple or Google. I never I, I never do it directly through because Google has the same thing, 30%. So for me, it's like, well, you know what? They're just, it's like, why are they getting a cut? So I just give it straight to the to the uh, service or whatever it is I'm getting through there. So, so Hulu was saying like, hey, so in the, in a screenshot, it says switch to Hulu with live TV. You are currently built your Hulu subscription through iTunes. To get Hulu with live TV, you need to switch to a Hulu build account. Select continue below to sign up for Hulu with um, with live TV, Hulu will automatically cancel your iTunes build subscription and reinstate you as a Hulu build subscriber, i.e. you get the, you, you know, they get to save 30% and, and move on from there. Um, so that was one of the things I thought was pretty fucking hilarious until somebody fucking ratted him out. Um, David Bernard, when he mentioned it and he basically ratted out, Hulu, I thought that was kind of fucking, that was, you know, snitches get stitches is really what we're trying to say. Um, in the next one, uh, Epic says there's an app store payment lockout, but Apple just sees friction. So um, one of Epic versus Apple's trial big keywords is cross wallet, uh, cross wallet play. In Epic's Fortnite, cross-wallet means that you can buy in-game currency known as V-Bucks with real money on one device and then spend it on a different device. The latter platform doesn't get a cut of your initial non-virtual financial transaction, which is why Nintendo and Sony don't support cross-wallet access on the Switch and PlayStation. Apple did support cross-wallet play before banning Fortnite last year, and on the trial second day, the fact the fact became a serious pitfall for Epic. Apple continued as long cross-examination of Epic CEO Tim Sweeney, whose hours of testimony included a digression on whether Fortnite counts as a true metaverse or simply a big free-to-play game that has concerts. So, um, it proved to be one of those bigger issues where they supported it 
and they go that Fortnite was kicked off of um, off of uh, App Store for adding its own V Bucks purchasing system right inside the app, violating Apple's restrictions on in-app payment processing. But as Apple's lawyers pointed out, Epic had another option of selling V-Bucks on iOS. The company just needed to sell them directly through its website, which users could visit through the iPad or um, iPhone Safari browser without Apple getting any kind of commission um, when they booted up um, Fortnite on iOS for their uh, V-Bucks would be waiting. So this was where... Apple was saying to Epic, hey, you know, you can do this. You just got to pay us our cut. And this is kind of where the whole Epic thing did. They knew that by doing this, they would violate it. And then they could sue them for becoming what they consider a monopoly. Um, and, you know, it was to me, this is what started. This is what started this whole thing was Epic being kind of a dick and saying, this is what we're going to do. So here we go. Um, now another story that popped up was Apple executives suggest cutting app store commission to 20% as early as 2011. So Phil Schiller, the Apple executive in charge of app store raised the possibility of cutting its 30% commission rate to 25 or even 20% back in 2011 in response to competition. Schiller floated the idea in an email to then CEO Steve Jobs and head of Apple services, Eddie Q. The email had been made public as part of the company's legal battle with Epic, Epic Games. Bloomberg was the first to report on the email exchange. Do you think our 70-30 split will last forever? Schiller's email begins. I think someday we'll see enough challenge from other platforms or web-based solutions that we want to adjust our model. Schiller goes on to suggest that if Apple were to ever change its fee, its structure fee, it should do so from a position of strength rather than weakness and floats the idea of Apple dropping its commission rate once the App Store is generating over $1 billion in annual profits. I know this is controversial, and I just tee it up uh, as another way to look at the size of the business, what we want to achieve, and how we want to stay competitive, Schiller wrote. Just food for thought attached the email as the Wall Street Journal article from 2011 um, which discussed the possibilities of developers using web apps to bypass Apple's um, App Store fees. Now, Apple's 30% commission fee on many in-app purchases is central to its legal battle with Epic, Rec- uh, Epic Games, which is accused of apps, the App Store tied to iPhones and iPads of being a monopoly. Um, Epic is required to use Apple's payment method of in-app purchases within Fortnite, hence paying the 30% commission, and it was the company switch to offering its own in-app payment system that caused Apple to kick the game out of the App Store. In response to the email, Apple said that there is no evidence that the App Store's fees are tied to its profits and that the, 20, the 2011 email did not confirm the store made $1 billion in profits. Bloomberg reports, analysts from Sensor Tower has the App Store's 2020 commission revenue at around $22 billion. Uh, and Epic cites one witness who cl- claims that its profit rate sits at around 80%. Apple had adjusted its commission structure over the years, and it has never dropped its standard rate wholesale to 25 to 20, um, to 25 or 20%. In 2016, it dropped its commission to 15% for subscribers who signed up with the service for over a year. 
Then last year, it dropped its its rate to 15% to any developer who can make under 1 million sale in sales on its store. The move saw pushback from Apple critics with Epic CEO Tim Sweeney calling the decision a calculated move by Apple to divide up app creators and preserve their monopoly on stores and payments, again, breaking the promise of treating all developers equally. Um, and let's be honest, once Apple started moving away from sales of iPhones as far as their as their business model, this is where it was going to come down to. It was going to come down to apps. It was going to come down to Apple Music and Apple uh their game apps and all of this. This is where they were going to make their money. It's subscription services. And if you're cutting in on Apple subscription services, they're going to be like the fucking mob and, and, and come after your ass. Now, Microsoft's feud with Apple over xCloud got iOS, um, on iOS got a rival kicked off the fucking app store. So in 2020, Microsoft was battling to bring xCloud or Xbox game streaming to the iPhone and iPad. And the conversation had an unlikely victim, Shadow a third-party cloud gaming app that lets you stream PC games on an iPhone or iPad. Emails between Microsoft and Apple revealed in the Epic versus Apple trial shows how the Xbox maker was trying to get xCloud on iOS. Microsoft was trying to figure out how Shadow, Netflix, and other similar interactive apps were able to exist in an app store while app was, um, Apple was refusing to approve xCloud. Microsoft put forward Shadow as an example of such a service, only to see it removed from the store. We were showing two examples where a game or an application was able to exist, and we didn't understand why we couldn't, explained Lori Wright, Microsoft head of business development for Xbox during the Epic versus Apple trial. I believe they, meaning Apple, ended up pulling Shadow out of the App Store based on this email we sent until they submitted changes. That was not our intention, of course, but it, it was a bypass. While Shadow's removal wasn't permanent, Apple had temporarily removed the app from the App Store twice in the past year. Shadow was removed in February last of last year with Apple citing a failure to act in accordance with specific part of the apps, Apple's App Store guidelines. Apple once again removed Shadow from the App Store in February, and the app returned a week later. Shadow revealed that the app was removed the second time due to a misunderstanding around the nature of the app. Unlike game streaming services, Shadow provided a full Windows 10 PC rather than a library of games, explained Look Hancock, a community manager of Shadow. This unique approach allows Shadow to comply with the App Store guidelines so that you can access your Shadow PC on any iOS device rather than your favorite game um, to run your favorite games and software. So that was kind of a it was like we're trying to prove a point, but oh you, you oh them? Oh we, we we missed that. Let's go ahead and kick them off. So that kind of fucked them up. Um so next one. And this is the last one as far in, in this particular thing is an internal email reveal how badly Apple wanted to keep Netflix using in-app purchases. So internal emails revealed during the Epic Apple lawsuit shows that employees at Apple were considering giving Netflix special treatment to convince the streaming service to not abandon in-app purchases in the uh, run-up to Netflix removing its subscription offering to avoid Apple fees. A presentation circulated within Apple proposed to advertise Netflix in its retail stores, use a, use a portion of its cut of Apple store commission fees to pay for, such, um, for search ads, and even bundle Netflix with other Apple services. 
the email spotted by 9to5Mac started with an explanation of a test Netflix wanted to run to study the impact of disabling in-app purchases on iOS. Netflix's main concern as director of app business, app store business management, Carlson, uh, Carson Oliver wrote was over the quote, voluntary churn of subscribers through the app store. The exact amounts are redacted, but that seems to suggest that Netflix's subscribers from the app store canceled the service more than subscribers who joined other ways, like through Netflix's website. Uh, here's the proposed IP uh, te IAP test. Outside of the voluntary churn issue, Netflix is concerned with understanding the incremental value of offering subscriptions via IAP or I on iOS. To measure this, they proposed a test that would remove the ability to purchase the subscription via in-app purchases in a select number of markets for a two-month period to see the markets uh, to see see list of markets below. They would like to run a test in May and June and estimate this test would impact 1.9 of their annual in-app signups. We express our concerns that running the test would create a bad customer experience for app users in those markets and limit co-marketing opportunities, including on-store featuring. So it's, to me, I kind of, I'm in this one, I'm kind of like, you know, I can kind of see where Netflix is coming from saying that iOS customers cancel more than, you know, anywhere else, which I don't really believe. I just believe that they were using that as a as a leverage piece to say, we don't want to pay the 30%. So if you wanna if you want Netflix on iOS, you're gonna to have to sign up somewhere else and then log use your login information in, when you go into there. And this cut out Apple of getting their cut, which was Netflix's right to do. Fortunately, Apple didn't go completely dick and decide, oh, hey, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and just not allow Netflix on our service because that would have probably killed them anyway. Um, so it's very interesting when you start going through a lot of the, the information. And some people just mean like, it's boring. You know, it's like, I don't care. It's like, yeah, but if you really kind of want to see the the ecosystem that Apple has kind of cultivated for themselves, a lot of people, you know, live and die by their by their iOS and, and their ecosystem. Their ecosystem is very much similar to Sony in everything's proprietary. You know, you have to go through our standards in order to uh, in order to get. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that, um, you know, they cut a Apple cut a deal with Prime, Amazon um, for Prime Video that prevented them from paying the standard 30 percent. So, but in my issue on this, I kind of look at it as they kind of learned what happened with Netflix. So they decided, well, in order for us to not fuck ourselves again, we'll go ahead and, and, and cut a deal with them. And, you know, which is probably fine, but Netflix is like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're still getting all the money. So who gives a shit? So that's some of the stuff you guys should... I, I mean, if you're interested in this kind of stuff or you're curious about it um, or want to see what the hell's going on, like, why is it such a big deal? This is why. It's a lot of really cool stuff. For me, it's interesting. And that's what this podcast is about is for me, it's interesting and maybe interesting for some other people. Um, so go ahead, check it out. And um, I have the links in the show notes so you can check out those articles. All right. 
And lastly, our douchebag of the week. Our douchebag of the week this week is the Trump G- GOP. Now, this week, um, you know, you heard news about Liz Cheney, if you follow politics at all, Liz Cheney being kicked out of her leadership role in the GOP because she's not following the party line. And the only thing that she has been um, against is saying that the election wasn't fraud, fraudulent. It wasn't uh, um, Biden won uh, hands down. But everybody else has said, oh, she's not following the party line. It basically means, oh, OK, it's Trump or nothing. So, um, and they rewarded her, her position to a, another House member who is actually more liberal than Cheney. She voted less with Trump than Cheney did. So this kind of shows you, and people are over there, why would they do this? Why would they do this? The reason why they do this is because Trump wants allegiance to him, not the party. That's it. That's, it's that fucking simple. So it's like, oh, well, I don't care their voting record. I care if they were nice to me. Oh, were they nice to me? They said good things about me. They defended me. Fine. I want them. I don't give a shit about their politics, which is where the which is going to be a problem when the GOP comes up to. Well, what do you stand for? Because you don't stand for, you know, any of the things that used to be the GOP. And um, I'm, I'm if you listen to my other show, The Fine Line, um. I'm going through history and saying where the where this isn't a surprise. The GOP has been on this on this path since the 1960s. So I think episode five comes out this week. So be sure to check it out. The fine line you can pretty much get it anywhere. This podcast is available. So here's the uh, so this whole thing. The, G- the Trump GOP is our douchebag of the week because the Republicans are trying to rewrite history during the Capitol riot attack hearing. So on January 6th, thousands of Donald Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol. We all saw it on the TV. We all saw the video. And the riot resulted in five deaths. More than 100 police were injured. Hundreds of arrests were made. But you might never know listening to the Republican lawmakers. During a House Oversight Committee hearing on Wednesday discussing what went wrong in police preparation for the January 6th riot and what the Trump administration did or did not do to quell the violence, Republican lawmakers tried to paint themselves as the victims. And that's what Republicans do. It's always, oh, we're the victims, we're the victims, we're the victims. Let me clear. There is no insur- There was no insurrection, Representative. Andrew Clyde, Republican of Georgia, falsely claimed during the Wednesday's hearing, all, all, and to call it an, ins- an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie. Clyde went on to defend those who stormed the Capitol building, saying the video on the day's violence looked to him like a normal tourist visit. So people going in there with zip ties and Trump flags and Confederate flags and gas masks and all of that, that's... I don't want to go visit the Capitol now if that's a normal tourist visit. And it wasn't a tourist visit egged on by then-President Trump to fight like hell. Hundreds of his supporters stormed the Capitol, many with the intent of committing acts of violence against lawmakers who refused to overturn the election of the 2020 presidential, the results of the 2020 presidential election. Representative Jody Heiss, also a Republican from Georgia, falsely claimed that Trump supporters were the real victims that day 
citing that the death of the Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt, who was killed by U.S. Capitol Police as she tried to enter the House chambers by climbing through a broken glass window. It was Trump supporters who lost their lives that day, not Trump supporters who were taking lives of others, um, hence said. Representative Paul Gosser of Arizona, a white nationalist sympathizer whose own family disavowed him for helping to incite the riot, attempted to paint Babbitt as a, quote, veteran wrapped in the American flag, end quote, and also described the hundreds of insurrectionists um, arrest and charged by the FBI as peaceful patriots who are being harassed. Oh, no. Representative Ralph Norman, uh, Republican South Carolina, questioned whether the rioters were in fact Trump supporters. It echoes the easily debunked conspiracy theory that poses those who stormed the Capitol were actually anti-fascist, uh, attempting to make Trump supporters look bad. Wednesday's hearing signaled another dangerous shift in the GOP lawmakers who continued to deny the results of the 2020 election and now appear to be denying the reality of the insurrection. The Republican lawmakers unwilling to accept the big lie that former President Donald Trump continues to harp on will find themselves excommunicated from the party. Take Representative Liz Cheney, who was ousted Wednesday from her own party's leadership for doing the bare minimum in her refusal to parrot the Republican lie that the election was stolen. The 2020 presidential election was not stolen, Cheney tweeted last week in response to the Trump statement calling the election fraudulent. Anyone who claims it, it was is spreading the big lie, turning their back on the rule of law and poisoning our de democratic system, she added. On Wednesday, Cheney remo was removed from her position as House Repub Republican Conference Chair, the third highest rank among Republicans in the House of Representatives. Trump was pleased. Um, so, yeah, so now, you know, we can't win with the truth. So we're going to say we were the victims. And the problem is, is the only ones that are going to believe it are going to be the Trump supporters. So this is all a, a move for the base. That's what this is. People are over there saying, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? I can't believe the Republicans would distort this. This is the Tea Party to the 100th power. The Tea Party originally started as a group of people who believed that Republicans weren't looking out for their best interests. Problem is, it became a tent where anybody who didn't agree with the current uh, bipartisan, with their, at the time, the bipartisan um, work ethic of Democrats and Republicans didn't like that, and then started to bring in everybody else, which include David Duke, racists, um, militants, all of that, white supremacists, and became uh, an umbrella group. A lot of Republicans tried to distance themselves from that, but the problem with that was they started winning elections. And when they won elections, the Republicans are like, whoa, hey, wait a minute. They're getting seats. We need to bring them into the fold because that helps us. Plus that helps bring in um, donations. That's where they get their money from is those people that back that. And Trump has made pretty fucking clear that, hey, I keep doing this. People give me money, even if I, you know, don't tell them to, that I that there's a box hidden in there that checks it that's going to pull money out every month. But you can make money off of this, and that's what they're doing. So this whole big, oh, I'm shocked at that. It's bullshit. They're not, it's not a shocking. It's the same thing you saw um, back at the Tea Party. So, um, yeah. So I don't think this is going away anytime soon. And uh, God, this is going to suck when it comes to Ed. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. 
<laughs> we want to ditch the ads and be independent, uh, and we can only do that with your support. And if you would like to donate to make this podcast and all the shows on the Lazy Geeks Network, the current and the upcoming ones, self-sustaining, you can go to thelazygeeks.com and click on the donate button. And if you can't help us out monetarily, you can share the show with your buddies and rate the show on iTunes. This will give us bigger exposure. This all helps. Trust us. It does. And you can check out all the other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network. There's the Truly Pointless podcast, uh, my show, The Fine Line, and our Star Trek-centered podcast, The Away Team. All are available wherever you got this show. And if you want to be part of the show, hit us up with comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks. Or email us, thegeeks at thelazygeeks.com. Again, if anybody wants to kind of audition to be, you know, a co-host on this show, make this a tube banner again, send uh, audition materials <laughs> to uh, to this. And I will recommend listening not just to these but some of the old episodes in case you're wondering you know the fuck we talk about on here all right so that is it for us this week so until next time i'm steven vargas and this was the lazy geeks we're thinking so you don't have to this podcast was brought to you by the lazy geeks network You can find this and all the other shows available or to even donate at thelazygeeks.com.